Welcome to the Faith and Money Podcast, where listeners are invited to explore the captivating intersection of faith and finances. Leading the way are two remarkable hosts, Keith Conley, President of True Legacy Financial Planning, and Crystal Wampler, President of Can Ethics. Faith and Money explores a diverse array of financial topics, always placing Christ at the center of our discussions. From the basics of budgeting and investing, to the transformative power of charitable giving and the dynamics of entrepreneurship, we explore it all. Keith and Crystal invite guests who are thought leaders, financial experts, and individuals who have successfully integrated faith and finances, offering practical tools and inspiring stories to guide you on your own path. If you find the Faith and Money podcast valuable and entertaining, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode, and your rating will help us reach more people, empowering them to align their faith and finances. Now, without any further delay, here's Keith and Crystal. Welcome to this exciting episode of the Faith and Money podcast. We have a great episode here. We love all of you listeners, and we're so glad that you're here with us again. If you haven't already, don't forget to smash that subscribe button and give us five stars and perhaps a a review if you like our content. If you don't like our content, well, then you just don't know good content. So uh, in any event, we're here today with my new friend, Dean Gartelas. How are you doing, Dean? I'm doing very well, Keith. How are you doing? Oh, I'm chilling like a villain. This is this is going to be a good good fun conversation. So, Dean and I met through my co-host who can't be with us, Crystal. Uh, and Dean, you're you're out in Colorado, right? I am. Uh, how you know, based in outside of Denver, Colorado. Although I'm actually in Florida right now for business, but uh, so I'm coming at you from southeastern U.S., but usually in in Colorado. Oh, excellent, excellent. At, at home beneath these western skies, as it were. So it's probably a little bit warmer in Florida than it is in, in the Denver area right now. For sure. Have you gotten any snow in Denver yet? Uh, no, not yet. Uh, but the, the mountains have been uh, dusted a little bit so far, so looking forward to a wonderful winter. Yeah, I was just talking to some clients of mine in eastern Sierras and and they got five inches the other day. Oh, wow. Yep. So maybe it'll be another big winner. But in any event, you know, Dean, you are the senior partner and vice president of government operations, OTG Consulting. Tell us about that. What is what is all that? So uh, <laughs> OTG Consulting is a consortium of former telecom and technology executives that instead of running the carriers and the businesses, we help our our clients purchase the technology. Um, And so I I like to say, use my expertise so you can focus on yours. Uh, We operate like a broker. So we're free to our clients because we're compensated by the service providers. Um, But we don't have a quota or an agenda other than to make sure that our clients get the exact right service that they need for their business to meet their clients' needs. Excellent. And so how long have you been doing this kind of work? You know, uh, since August 2017 is when I first uh, started working with OTG, I think officially became my my real job. Um, and it's been a fantastic ride. I, I love um, 
I love what we do just because it, it truly enables um, the ability to just get in, help people. I, I, I tell people we're impossibly driven uh, to help, right? I, my only real goal is to leave you better than I found you uh, without regard to whether or not we do business together. And there's lots of ways to do that with everybody that you encounter through the day. And that has kind of been my, my goal and my family's mission. And it aligns so well with what Jeffrey and Brian established and we've been building together over the last many years. Excellent. Excellent. So you're mostly working with, with government, with, you know, I, you know, it's funny. I, that is in my title and where OTG runs across government opportunities. I, I'm usually looped in because I have very rich experience um, in my corporate life, doing business with the federal government and state and municipal and education, though most of what we do these days and what I do in particular is with commercial clients um, wow. of all sizes. Yeah. So I, I it actually uh, government and commercial operations is probably the right way to describe it, not just government operations. And you know, it, it is just like that. I've got, we've got clients, I've got attorneys, um, I've got accountants, I've got a, a fast, no, excuse me, quick serve, not fast food, totally different, I'm told, um, franchise that I work with, uh, you know, uh, retail, um, restaurants, manufacturing, just all, all of the, because every company needs technology, they all use it daily. And I, uh, I just help them buy it in a way that's more efficient than they would do on their own. So it would be safe to say you didn't sell a laptop to Hunter Biden. <laughs> I did not. No, no. And uh, yeah, more, more. Yeah, I'll leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I've said on the podcast before, I'm like the uncle that everyone avoids at family gatherings. My favorite topics of conversation are money, religion and politics. So, yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm very much the same way. I don't shy away from those topics because I feel like there's opportunity for uh, what I call civil discourse. Um, yeah. And and I think too many people let the world let those things splinter and faction, you know, create factious uh, situations. Right. And distance. And I, I think they can be unifiers as well because it's not the what it's the how. Right. Well, and, and, you know, those those things are, are things that matter. You know, I'm not really interested in talking about, you know, the newest pop hit or, quite frankly, the newest movie, unless it's a war or historical movie. Um, I'm not interested in fashion, you know. And, and you know, there's, there's a time and a place for those things. That's not my shtick. But, but yeah. in any event, you know, this kind of brings up a good segue into our discussion today. Uh, if our listeners haven't noticed, uh, Dean's last name is Gartelos. And it, that... you know, so I was just going to say, my name is really Constantine Nicholas Gartelos. And I do go by Dean, as you know. And it's I, I tell people it's like William and Bill if you're Greek. <laughs> so, so yes, uh, Dean or Constantine is Greek. So, you know... For all the listeners out there who don't know this, I, I cannot say it's all Greek to me. <laughs> but I can. Because I've studied Koinia <laughs> Greek. <laughs> uh, but maybe we'll throw in a, a joke about a big fat Greek wedding here. But, uh, you know, what I've, I've, about, I've had one of those, by the way. One of those? Just one? Just one. That's all it takes. <laughs> How many kids do you have, Dean? Uh, I've, we've got one son, uh, Michael, he's 15 and, uh, 
uh, living his best life as a freshman at uh, Jesuit nice. High School. Yep. Nice. So I'm really excited to talk to you, Dean, uh, because you are a subscriber and a participant and a member of the Eastern Orthodox Church. So one I of am. our guests was a Roman Catholic. And, and so we have a lot of, of guests, you know, from a wide range of, of theological spectrums, which is interesting to a, a theology nerd like me. Uh, and anyone who knows anything about me knows that I'm deeply committed to Protestant Reformed theology. So Dean and I are going to have a conversation on Eastern Orthodoxy versus Protestant Reformed theology. I think this is going to be great. I'm super excited. So I'm looking forward to it. So hopefully, well, I, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate Crystal connecting us, um, and I, I enjoyed our conversation. And I, Keith, I, I enjoy all of our conversations, and I think yeah. these are wonderful discussions and to have. Right? It's just. It's for the good of all. So thank you for having me here. Absolutely. Well, what I find is that a lot of, you know, American evangelical Christians think that everyone is, you know, all Christians are non-denominational, which just means Baptist, but afraid to say so type Christians. And there's a lot of misconceptions about what Eastern Orthodoxy is, or maybe they just don't even know. They think it's like an entirely separate religion uh, many people just many, many people associate it with jewish because everybody many people have heard the term orthodox jew right and so oh. some people don't even recognize it as christianity which of course it is and it's funny you know people use the word multi-denominational or non-denominational i would say the orthodox church the holy orthodox church is pre-denominational um meaning yeah. with its roots at um at Pentecost, right? When, when Christ sent the apostles out to baptize the nations in the name of the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, Right. Well, what's interesting, that's an interesting point that you, that you see that it's associated with Jewish uh, uh, religion. Mm -hmm. I, I, I could see why people would think that I had never thought of that. But what I think of a lot of people thinking is that Eastern Orthodoxy is just another version of Roman Catholicism. That couldn't be mm. further from the truth, could it? No, I, I mean, I understand that thought. Um, certainly if you were trying to slice and dice the various, um, I don't know, sect is the right word, right? There's probably the most in common with the, with the Roman Catholic church. If you think historically about how the two came into existence, but no, um, very different, um, indeed. <laughs> well, the the Catholic Church, you know, has the has the hierarchy of bishops, you know, mm -hmm. with the Pope at the top, and there is no such hierarchical system within Eastern Orthodox Church. Not, not not the same way. There is the Archbishop, right? And the Greek Orthodox Church um, um, has an arch, Archbishop, and and but he's the first among equals, not a level above everyone else it's more of an anglican type model um or you could say the anglican model is more eastern <laughs> orthodox fair enough fair enough so you know we have in essence broadly speaking two churches we have an eastern church and we have a western church uh and really how did they how did that happen it happened in 1054 right 
it did called the great schism um meaning split and it was there was a lot to it um i think there were theologic reasons we'll call them excuses um this is my opinion now uh, that i believe were it was much more political than it was the pope and the patriarch truly disagreeing on matters of theology i feel like it, it, the, the bit I've read and it's been a little while, right. But there was much more between the Cardinals and the bishops that didn't get along. And we're trying to say, no, our guy's boss. I mean, there are some, to be clear, some theological differences in doctrine. And, and we'll talk about um, the father and the son and the Holy spirit and, and the, and, and what that means. But, but to me, it was as much a political and social thing as it was anything else. Right. The, the church in the West was established by Peter the church in the East established by depending on where in the East you're talking about Andrew or Paul. And that's that it became kind of the, the two, the two churches that have come down through the age. Well, with the, with the great schism 1054, the, the theological matter that was debated was what we call the filioqua, uh, which yeah. is, you know, where, from whom does the spirit, you know, descend. Is it from just the father? Or is it from the father? father right. And so in the Nicene Creed, the Orthodox Church, we say proceeds from the father, right? Um, right. And, you know, I think that there's, while there is good reasons to agree with the Western conception of, of the filioqua, what I've always been taught and, and thought was that it was the right perspective, but done for the wrong reasons and, and, you know, causing that schism. So, uh, but, you know, very interesting that there is that difference. Is there a theological reason in the Eastern Orthodox Church why they want to say that the spirit only comes from the father? Um, I'm sure there is, and I will get maybe out of my depth if I try to dig too deep into it. Um, but my belief is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are eternal, right? And, and that's the argument for, right? Um, but also the Son was begotten, right, of Mary um, and became man. And, and so I, I suspect you got the wrong brother if you want to dig into it. My brother's a Greek Orthodox priest. <laughs> um, we, could, we could bridge him on if you like. Uh, Fair but, enough. Uh, yeah. Well, the thing the thing that I, I love about Eastern Orthodoxy is how thoroughly Trinitarian you are. Yes. Uh, and go ahead. To totally agree. And I think it is it's central. Um it, it's central to what I think we believe and how we behave and the way we pray and the relationship we have with God and um, it's, you know, I, 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 to me, it's a source of peace as well. Um, right. And I'm not sure how best to put that into words, but we pray in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Right. Amen. And, and when, and your church services, you know, have these beautiful elaborate Trinitarian prayers Mm -hmm. Which, you know, as a Protestant reformed, you know, uh, I, I love that conception of having, you know, a Trinitarian view of worship. 
uh, you know, and I think of scriptures like Ephesians 2, where it says that we have access uh, by one spirit to the Father through the Son. And, and uh, I, I love the Trinitarian theology of, of the Eastern Orthodox Church. When I was in seminary, I did a lot of writing on an Eastern theologian by the name of John of Damascus. Mm-hmm. And John, John and I spent a lot of time together. You know, in seminary, my best friends were were dead. But, uh, um, and you know, his whole conception of, of the Trinity was that it encompassed all of life. Uh, and and really appreciate that. And that really comes out in, I think, which is a a, a common link between Eastern Orthodoxy and Reformed theology. I don't know how much you even know about reformed theology dean but uh you know there's that this idea of union with christ uh and and it comes out in the the eastern orthodox doctrine of of theosis could you tell us about that yeah a little bit i i think to me that is the journey we're all on towards theosis and the the way we live the way we you know, we talk about, at least in my family, to be a mirror to reflect God's love to those that we encounter and to, um, you know, to be part of the body of, of the church. And, you know, we don't maybe always do it as well as we should and don't get to church as often as we would like. But the central thought of that path and, you know, sometimes you and I are the only Jesus as it were, that, that some people will encounter. And, you know, not that we're, not that I'm Jesus or you are, right? But but just that, that concept, right? I think Christians need to act in a Christian manner. <laughs> and, and that's what we endeavor to do in, in that that journey through life toward, towards theosis, to be with and like um, in the presence of God, right? The hell is the absence of God, right? Darkness is the absence of light. And to be in the light is at least my, my perspective, if that makes sense. So in the Eastern Orthodox conception of theosis, is that like becoming divinized or deified? Do you actually become like a little God or a God? Not at all. Um, not at all. I think it is more around the, in the presence and in concert with, in terms of the way we live in, in, behave and, and praise and and things of that nature, not to be little gods ourselves, not just like it's a misconception about iconography, right? They're not idols to be worshipped. They are um, windows, though, towards those that have um, made perfect in the faith. Um, my One of my favorite hierarchs, uh, Metropolitan Isaiah, and others have talked about them being windows um, the family, the family, the family album, right? In the Orthodox Church, they're all our brothers and sisters, and so they they're reminders of that, not people that we idolize. In that sense, does that make sense? Yeah, it does, and I I disagree with the idea of iconography, but but I agree that you are accurately describing mm-hmm. the Eastern Orthodox conception of icons. John of Damascus was one of the first. Uh, Eastern teachers to really kind of propagate the doctrine of, of of icons, and he actually used the language that when you're praying 
to a saint, it, it's because they reflect Christ. It's like you're praying to the original. Um, it's, it, it, I agree. And I would add this. Um, when you're a child and you need something, sometimes you go to your mom, sometimes you go to your dad, sometimes you go to an older sibling, sometimes you go to a teacher, sometimes you go to somebody to get help from wherever help's coming from. And in that, in that way, right, it is, and it's not the perfect metaphor, but it's, it's in that line. Right. If I say that correctly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have, I have problems with that kind of, of thinking, but I think that there's mm -hmm. enough of a link between, you know, this idea of, of theosis and icon, icons with what we Protestant reformed people call the union with Christ. Okay. And, and, and what we call the ordo salutis, um, you know, teachers like Athanasius and Cyril, um, talked a lot about, you know, being united to Christ through his work of regeneration, adoption, sanctification, and, and glorification, all viewed as one seamless process where we're united to Christ, the cornerstone. And so, you know, it, this really kind of brings up another way that Eastern Orthodox and, and Protestants, or just even the Western church are vastly different in that the Western church has been influenced by teachers like Augustine, uh, who had this idea of, of a different conception of sin and a different conception of, of, of justification and salvation and, and our relationship with God. And, and, you know, the Eastern Orthodox conception, as I understand it, has been much more of a, of a mystical experience rather than a logical one. I think that's that's fair. I will say I do like Augustine in one sense is, you know, he was I don't know if he was the first, but he's the one that I'm aware of that, that was able to take and articulate the idea that just because something is secular doesn't mean it's inherently bad, that the secular world could be put to God's good purpose because God's the creator of all. And. I, I, I've always liked that concept um, because there's so much that we encounter that is perhaps good, but is not inherently from the church, but th that doesn't make it bad, right? Everything can be put to God's good purpose. You, me, everything. Um, so I, we talk about the Augustinian doctrines and stuff. I, I do like to, I don't know if it's throw them a bone, but, but I do like that thought from Augustine. Yeah, that's an interesting conception, because if you read his book on the city of God, he, mm -hmm. he argues that there's two kingdoms in this world. There's the city of God and the city of man. And, and I, I, while I agree with that distinction, uh, I disagree with what he says next, which is that Christians can only be a member of one. They can be either either a member of the city of God or the city of man. And if they're not a member of the city of God, then they're not a Christian. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so to me, you know, as I read Augustine, uh, it seems more like, you know, Augustine is wanting to, you know, have this very strict dichotomy of sacred and secular. 
Yeah, I maybe I you know he was also right the same guy that said God grant me temperance but not yet was that same right because he was not sure had had a lot of this came from philosophy course but uh, it was just very interesting right but I because th- there is humanity that we live and there's divinity that we are not so but that's that's how I've always understood it now. Keith, to be fair, maybe I don't have it right exactly from Augustine, but but I agree with the concept at least that that all things I think are to God's good purpose or can be put that way. And, and the opposite's true too, by the way. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you. I would agree with you. And it, but it would also be fair to say that the Eastern Orthodox agree in the utmost authority of the Bible. You do believe the Bible. Uh, That's and- right. You believe in in some conception of of sin in the fall. Uh, what 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 do the Eastern Orthodox believe about sin that might be different from from the Augustinian conception? You know, I don't know about contrast, but I I, I say the the word for sin um, is literally I think translates to miss the mark, right? It's to fall short, and. And that is at least the way I've always been taught and to learn and understand it, right? It's it's when we fall short of what we could or should be that is sin and that separation from God. Mm-hmm. And in the Orthodox Church, there's no such thing as excommunication the way that you hear in the Western Church. Really? Interesting. In, the, in that, it's not an act from a hierarch to excommunicate somebody per se, Right. In the Orthodox Church, you excommunicate yourself by stopping participation in the sacraments and in involvement and engagement. Um, that's you know all, all lines up with sin, right? And and the fact you mentioned earlier about confession and and reconciliation is is how we talk about it, right? But you know, there's always a path back for missing the mark and for when when we do things that aren't maybe what we would have liked them to be is the way I would say it. Right. So, you know, just kind of going going back, you know, we we both affirm the Nicene Creed. So, you know, you believe in the, in the emphasis of the teaching of the Bible. You believe in Christ's death and resurrection. Uh, you mm-hmm. believe in the Holy Spirit, you know, the return of Christ and the final judgment in heaven and hell. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so, you know, you're very much with that small C, a Catholic Christian, you, you believe in the same thing okay. Christians of all times and places have believed about those things. Oh, for sure. And it's because Catholic small C or, or big C, like not Roman Catholic, right. But one okay. piece, one whole, right. Um, and yeah, it, it is, it is true, but it's also true that the thing that I think is most important about any of these doctrines as we talk about them, whether it be Eastern or Western to me is, is the element of love that must be present in conversations and in actions around them. Because I mean, that, that is maybe the one thing all Christian churches could agree on is that Christ Jesus is love, right? God's love. And there's different maybe ways people look at it and, and, you know, you hear the term the wrath of God and and stuff like that, but 
but I think, I mean, that is the commandment, right? Love. Um, and I just try to keep, when we have these kinds of conversations and I, I appreciate this with you because you seem to do the same, it, it's with love, right? Right. And without it, it becomes just, uh, like a clanging cymbal. I can't think of the, you know, it's, it's noise. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to have a conversation with you and I think we're doing a pretty good job of. Oh, I agree. That, that wasn't a dig. I just, I'm thinking about, no, no, you no, know, not at all. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's important because I think um, so much of this is around, right. I, I think iron sharpens iron and I, I believe we could be better because of each other with each other, not on our own. So that, I, I was trying to pay you a compliment, Keith. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So when I was in college, I read a book by a bishop in the Eastern Orthodox Church, church by the name of Callistos Ware. And uh, because this is the Faith and Money podcast, I thought I would read a passage from the, his book, The Orthodox Way, and we could have a little closing conversation here on, on stewardship. Fair enough? Okay. Yeah, that's great. Bishop Callistos is, um, Callistos Ware is, is wonderful. I, I grew up, there was a Bishop Callistos, different one, who was a very kind, gentle soul and, and a big influence on me. So I, I have a kind, uh, a warm space in my heart for both of them. And I think, I can't think of one without the other, I guess is what I'm saying. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I, if I recall correctly, I'm going off of 20 years of memory here. Yeah. It may not be accurate. But my understanding was that uh, Callistos Ware was at one time an Anglican and, mm -hmm. and then moved over to the EO Church. But let's let's read what he has to say in his just a small piece of his chapter on creation. Okay. Uh, and so I'll try to read this so that everyone can kind of grasp what we're saying, talking about here. And he writes, as the fruit of God's free will and love, the world is not necessary self-sufficient but contingent and dependent as created beings we can never just be ourselves alone god is the core of our being or we cease to exist at every moment we depend for our existence upon the loving will of god existence is always a gift from god a free gift of his love and then a few pages later he writes in saying that god is the creator of the world we do not mean merely that he sets things in motion by an initial act at the beginning, after which they go on functioning by themselves. God is not a, just a cosmic clockmaker who winds up the machinery and then leaves it ticking on its own. On the contrary, the creator, creator is continually working. Free will, right? It's not just a path we're all on that's written. But as I read... Uh, uh, Bishop, where it, it's God's free will in creating. And ours in action, right? In the moment, you have a choice to make in every moment I do. It's right. not preordained. Right? Interesting. Um, well, I, 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 as I read the scriptures, I, I see it as both. Um, you know, as I understand, the Eastern Orthodox certainly don't have a doctrine of predestination, which would have come from, you know, first Paul and then and then Augustine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as I read this passage, it's not so much about our free will. It's about 
God creating and then continuing to work through the world. You know, everything that God has created mm -hmm. is his, which goes back to, you know, uh, uh, the the Psalms where the says that you know yeah. a thousand hills are are mine and and recognizing that God is not only just a creator of the world but He owns everything it's all His and He does with it what He pleases but He's also working towards a a telos an end. So I, I'm with you and I, I don't know if I said something that was in conflict, but I, I resonates with me that he's not a clockmaker who winds it up and lets it go. Right. There's actions that are taken throughout time and those actions are taken by people and that are free yeah. to choose, right. Their, their actions and their path. So I, I think those things line up pretty well, but I, I agree it is all God's. And you hear too often people say, oh, I just got to give it to God. And there's truth there, but it is not just give it to God and through no, no effort on our own part. I think we all have action to take as well. Um, not that we can work our way to become God or, or it's not about that, but it's, it's the the story of the the person during the flood who climbs to the roof, right? And the, the water comes and the boat comes and they say, come on, let me save you. And, and they say, no, the Lord will provide. And then the helicopter comes and they say, come on, let me save you. And says, no, the Lord will provide. And then finally the water sweeps the home away and the person dies and they meet God. And they say, God, you told me you'd always help me. And say, well, I sent the boat and the helicopter, right? I think there's action and choices that we make along the way that help ourselves, um, that help do his will whether it's to help ourselves, help others around us. But, you know, being open to that is maybe easier said than done, but it's, it's a key part of that journey towards theosis, right? To his will be done. I, I see just so many different uh, fruits of, of what he's saying in these short passages here that relate to stewardship, you know, God's yeah. provision, you know, what, what does Jesus say? If you, if, if, if you see your brother, or, or your neighbor who's hungry and you tell him, God bless you, and then you move on with your day, <laughs> you know, is that is that the loving? And, you know, God is working. And, and one of the things that as a Christian we ought to be considering is how is God going to be using me today and what he has given to me, whether it's a talent, treasure, uh, or whatnot, to yep. help somebody in my neighbor who's in need. We, we talk about it in that way, time, treasure, and talent, right? Um, and how we use those things to God's good purpose, whether that's giving money to the church, which is an element of it, whether that's helping provide things to those in need, or in the, that, that, that those things that are you can provide can be time, could be money, could be clothes, could be anything, right? But right. all those things line right up. I'm, I'm with you there. Right. You know, what God has given to me, is his and I'm the manager and the steward of it. Uh, and, you know, I just, lo I love this. God is not a cosmic clockmaker. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think we fall prey to in the Protestant church or the Western church for that matter, that we could really benefit from the Eastern Orthodox is just this conception that God is is wholly other from us. It's not that the 
Protestants in the Western Church don't recognize that. But I think that the the Eastern Church has a greater emphasis on that, whereas you know the Western Church is just so much. It just falls prey to thinking of Jesus as my buddy. <laughs> yeah, and, you know it's 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 funny that you say that because, um, I would say in the Orthodox Church, it is finding that personal relationship with Christ. And one of one of the, the priests of my youth used to talk about that when, when I was a kid. And, and he talked about sometimes his yaya would pray, Christulimu, like my my Christ. Like mu at the end of the Greek word is you know, right, is my. And, and he said that wasn't too familiar, that it was disrespectful, but it was it captured the love and the relationships that she had. And so it's it's somewhere in, in both those things, because you're right, it's that informality of my buddy, buddy, and this unattainable, unapproachable, right? There, there's something in the middle, I believe, that's so very necessary. When I was in college, I read a book about uh, God's transcendence, meaning he's wholly other, but he's also very near. He's, he's imminent. He's close. Uh, and, and keeping that balance is, is, is really key. Uh, and, and the reason I bring this up is, you know, God is not a cosmic clockmaker. And I love that image because the fact is that God is working. You know, he's creating the clock, but he's what he's also doing is he's working towards the appointed end when he will return at that last day. Uh, and and all the actions that we are performing in this life are obviously not for our salvation or anything like that, but, but we're participants in God's story. We're so very, uh, so self-centered and narcissistic that we want to make God kind of the, the supporting rule in our story. And at the end it's of the, the day, it's the opposite. It, it's the opposite. We're this little minuscule. We don't, we don't get Academy Award for best supporting actor. We're just a peon, but yet, this is a glorious story with a true happy ending. Uh, all the pain and the suffering and the sin in this world is working towards an end when God will right all wrongs and all the tears will be shed from the eyes and, and nothing can separate us from his love. And, and, you know, and if we're in Christ, you know, we will not be disappointed and, and just having that small role of, of using those assets and those experiences and those gifts that God gives us to play part in that role. It's just such a joy and, and a, a, a treasure. You said it very well, Keith. I, I, I agree in that, that path towards the place where there is no pain or sorrow or right. sighing that just love and life. Right. Um, so what well, well said. So, you know, we're using God's creation for his will and for his purposes, whether Ooh. that's feeding my child or feeding my homeless neighbor or, or, uh, you know, growing his church or, or whatever, you know, the, but we're, we're using what he has given to us for his purposes. So, well, and, and we, there, there's a, I think I said this to you before, right. There's a saying, in my youth that I learned 
that translates to let everything we do be to the glory of God. And I have taken that as um, good advice to say the least. And it, it's funny back to my comment around right with the Christian church and Christians overall have much more in common than we do that divide us. My, my son's at a Catholic school now, uh, Regis Jesuit and, and their motto is ad maiorum dei gloriam to the greater glory of God. And those things line up in a way that brings that, that together, that, that fullness that I believe is there in the body of Christ and for Christians that should offer still advice, good advice for how we might act and live. And God knows I don't get it right always, um, but I endeavor to do so. And when I don't, I try to make it right. And I think that's what we all are supposed to do, right? Back to leave everybody better than we found them, right? That's not a business thought. That's just a life thought. Business happens sometimes as a result because of my particular area of expertise or yours, Right. But, but I, 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 what I do today lets me live a life that is unified in a way that I would have thought impossible when I had a corporate existence. And that's, that's pretty, pretty great. It allows me to be part of conversations like this with you as part of my job. Right. right. Um, <laughs> because there, there, there doesn't need to be separate deans that run around. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for you having me be part of this. Yeah. So as we close up our conversation here, uh, just cut, can you give us a little bit of a summary again, just for our listeners, mm -hmm. um, what kind of services that you provide and how they can contact you if they need your assistance? Oh, absolutely. Thanks, Keith. I almost forget about that sometimes. <laughs> um, so I really, I'm here to help. Um, I, with anything with your technology, I'm not one to confuse action with productivity, right? I like to solve problems and, and I can help with all things in your tech stack, whether it's with voice and phone services or connectivity and SD-WAN and internet um, or cloud and co-location and hosting or cybersecurity or mobility, tablets, phones, internet of things, kind of all of the above. Um, you know, I, if you have something that's not working as well as you'd like it to, give me a shout and I can help. Um, and if everything's working great, wonderful. I can help assess and make sure that you're getting the best price for what you already have and am involved. And as needs evolve, I can be there to help you do it. Um, best way to reach me uh, is easily email or my phone, you know, dg at otgconsulting.net um, is probably the best way to reach out. Keith, I assume you'll be able to kind of share that as part of this. Um, LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn for sure, Dean Gartelos. Um, and, you know, like I said, I'm here to help and I'll help you in any way that I'm able. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time, Dean. To our listeners, if you haven't already, please do uh, smash that subscribe button. Give us five stars and, and reach out to Dean if you need us. Uh, and don't forget that True Legacy Financial Planning is here for all of your insurance and financial planning needs, all done with a biblical perspective, with financial expertise. Until next time, thanks for joining us, Dean. Thanks so much. Onward and upward, Keith. Appreciate you having me. Yep. We'll, we'll talk soon. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Faith and Money Podcast. But remember, our conversations don't end here. We invite you to continue exploring these fascinating subjects by subscribing to our podcast. 
By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode, ensuring that you stay connected to our community of like-minded individuals seeking wisdom and guidance in their financial and spiritual lives. And while you're at it, don't forget to rate and review the Faith and Money podcast. Your feedback not only helps us improve, but it also allows others to discover and benefit from these enriching discussions. Your words have the power to inspire and empower others to embark on their own journeys toward financial well-being and spiritual fulfillment. Lastly, we want to extend a heartfelt invitation to join us for future episodes. We have exciting guests lined up who will share their unique perspectives and experiences. Together, we'll continue to dive deeper, challenge conventions, and uncover hidden truths that can transform our lives for the better.